0: Hey, it's Scott Petrack with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns went to New England and got shellacked, embarrassed, humbled, however you want to say it, and sit 5-5 and and are trying to pick up the pieces. The season and playoffs aren't over, the playoff hopes aren't over, but they're hanging by a thread. Here to break it all down with me is Dave Chodowski of GO! The WKYC Morning News. Dave, I did not see that one coming.
1: No, not like that. I mean, geez. I mean, just completely destroyed. Just like we didn't necessarily see them destroying the Bengals like they did. So really, two weeks where, you know, you might not be surprised by the win or the loss necessarily, but you're surprised at how it went down. So uh, it's just a disappointment. The only thing I can uh, hang my hat on right now is I had a huge fantasy win, Scott. (laughs) So I'm six and four. And I'm feeling good about that, and I just hope that it continues on because right now the Browns aren't giving good feelings, so if I can at least have the good feelings from fantasy. And uh, I am a little itchy, though, because I told you last week I'm uh, growing a beard for uh, No Shave November <laughs> on the uh, morning show, and I'm, I'm starting to wonder, am I doing this for No Shave November, or did someone make a bet that I wasn't allowed to shave until the Browns showed us who they truly were? Because oh, i got to well. tell you. We have no idea who this team is.
0: No, you could have a, uh, you could have a beard going the whole season, there, buddy.
1: Um, Zz top.
0: Yeah, right. Santa Claus, Zz top. <laughs> All um, right. Yeah, I, I know. That's that's the thing about that game, and and it's not just the forty five seven loss to the Patriots. It feels like it, it's bigger than that, and it's the inconsistency of the whole season. You mentioned the big win in Cincinnati, but you also had, you know the bad loss at Pittsburgh, you had, or versus Pittsburgh, you had the blowout against the Cardinals, you know, both of those at home, you had games that you weren't able to put away against the chiefs and the chargers. And it's so it's not just the one game. It's so it feels bigger to me. Like this team doesn't have, hasn't shown who it really is. Like you just said. And when you lose a game, 45 to seven to another team that's five and four was five and four going into the game. You're fighting for AFC playoff position. It it just feels bigger than one loss. And I I know in the standings, it isn't except it is for the playoffs, but there's something foundational about it. Like you start to question a lot of things and I I don't know if that's how it is inside the building, but I know as an observer, it, it makes you question a lot. And that's a tough place to be 10 games into the season. And when there were so many expectations from inside the building and outside the building about how this team, how good this team was, how talented it was, how it was destined to go back to the playoffs. And, you know, you look at not only 45 to seven, but five and five and say, all right, is this team who we thought it was? And it's hard to say that coming off that loss and coming off ten you know, games that have been really up and down all year long.
1: Well, Scott, listen, here's the deal. It's all about perspective and how you look at it. Right. And, you know, we had the listeners here prepared for this in, in many ways, in a way we all kind of fell into a trap, but yet we still had to have perspective. You talked about it before the the season even started, when you kept talking about that stat about, playoff teams that hadn't been there in a while and then how they did the next year and that's what's happening to this team right now there's still a chance to sit you know salvage it but the piece that I did and I got into a debate with a coworker when I did the piece and I've talked about this before with you and I don't want to sound like a broken record but I highlighted what could derail this season yeah. And, and he kind of got annoyed with me. He's like, why are you looking at it through that lens? And I'm like, well, part of it is because I'm from Cleveland and this is what I, (laughs) this is what we do. Right. But I just, I, I looked at the things and so far, the things that have derailed the season are are things that you kind of could predict. There's been injuries. There was the, you know, Baker Mayfield and the Odell, but at the top of my list, Scott is the defense and would they be able to gel and mesh together? And I think that's where my biggest question comes. I feel like I have a pretty good idea what's going on with the offense. I, I, I feel like I do all it, it's frustrating, but it, it I, I feel like I know when they get behind Baker is not the guy to bring them back when they're leading. He's a, he's the type of guy that, you know, can, I don't want to say game manage because that's cliche, but you get that running attack going. I feel like, and believe me, seven points is ridiculous. Right. And I, you know, but I don't understand the defense. Can you explain to me what is going on with this defense? When I have picked, I picked them to lose in Minnesota because I figured the Vikings would score a ton on them, but the defense looked like Super Bowl contenders. How about the defense against. The yeah,
0: Chad, it's, it's a great question. And I wish I had a better answer. I, I, I really believe that the defense is
1: game against the Chargers, the chiefs, and then against the Patriots, Scott, what is with this defense?
0: Yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer. Chad, um, I, I still believe that the defense is really talented and capable of playing the games like it did against the Vikings and like it did against the Bengals for the most part, you know, they gave up those two long drives early but got takeaways and then shut Joe Burrow and that excellent receiving core down because we've seen it. So if you've seen it, then there's no reason it can't happen week in and week out, but it certainly isn't. And I thought, and this is, goes beyond the defense. I think this goes for the whole team. And Kevin Stefanski kind of shot me down when I asked him about this on Monday, but I believe it. I, I think there is some level of when, the team plays well, or part of the team plays well, the defense plays well, there's a letdown the next week. And we saw, right, after that Minnesota game, didn't they go to the Chargers and give up 47, right? After they they play well against the Bengals, then they go to New England and give up 45. And I, I have a hard time believing that there isn't some level of, hey, we showed how good we are. We can do it. And you just take it for granted that you're going to do it the next week. And this league is too good. It's too close. It's too competitive to have that mindset. And now, you know, this is me. Nobody's told me this is how the mindset is of the team. But this is just me watching and trying to explain it. And as simple as Greg Newsom has a great game against the Bengals. And he's played well all year. But against New England, he gives up a fade for a first down on a third down. It wasn't terrible coverage, but he misses the jam at the line of scrimmage. The guy gets open, good throw, good catch. He gets called for two pass interferences. One, you know, you on live ago, oh, that's a bad call. They show the replay, he's grabbing the guy's jersey. It's the right call. Does, he probably doesn't need to grab the jersey, but he's grabbing it. The second one, we never got a good angle. Um, the game was decided by then. But there's another call where he gets a pass interference. Those three, two or three plays make a difference. You know, they don't change the score. or I mean, they don't change the outcome. But the point is, the one week he made the plays and had the breakups and the Browns play well and build momentum, the next week it goes against him. And you could say the same thing for John Johnson third, right? He had a great game against Cincinnati. He, you know, the, the, one of the storylines was he's settling into this defense. Joe Woods has found the right role for him. He goes to New England. He gets run over at the goal line. He gets caught up in these screens that he can't stop. He doesn't get there quickly enough on that touchdown to Bourne, which is a real good throw by Matt Jones. And John Johnson did get there and put a hit on him, but he caught it. Um, so he doesn't play as well the next week, right? clown um, Clowney doesn't show up against the Patriots and there's games where he has, but you can just go down the list. Um, Denzel Ward, right? He, he, not, he didn't give up a bunch of plays against the Patriots. I remember a couple Hunter Henry caught one on him. Um, But he had a great game the week before, right? So there's a dip across the board of performance. And it feels like, especially when you have the expectations that I do for this team, that, and I know that the team had for itself, that there's a little bit of inflated ego. And, hey, we're, we're good enough to just show up. And obviously, they're not good enough to just show up.
1: Yeah, I, I just i I can't accept that. I mean, I don't understand how they feel like they've reached that point where they can be like that. You well, really think that's the case? Well, I don't know. I mean, what? Like, I'm
0: I'm searching for explanations, and the fact that the letdowns come right after letdowns, collapses, whatever their worst games come after their best games. I, I got. I don't have another
1: explanation for it. You know? Interesting. Um, well, all right, how about this? What about? could a lot of people are talking about coaching and scheme and and what Garrett said after the game. Uh, I don't want to quote him, but um, I don't know if you have the quote, but basically, you know, he said there were no adjustments on the, on the sideline.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's what he said. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think coaching plays into it. I'm not going to dismiss coaching, but Joe Woods does not go from having the best game plan in Minnesota and Cincinnati to the worst game plan the next week. Now, that could that's a factor, and where I want to talk about Joe Woods, but I feel like it's bigger than that. I, I really do. Now, Joe Woods, it's a bad look, and it's a bad sign when Miles Garrett says what he did. Now, he didn't mention Joe Woods, and maybe next time we talk to Miles, he says, hey, I meant the whole team because Anthony Walker, the linebacker, said, hey, I think Miles meant more like the team didn't make adjustments. We kept giving up plays, but it sure set, felt like he was – criticizing joe woods john johnson the also said hey the patriots did what other teams against us earlier in the year did and had success they just found out what we did poorly and exploited it well that's a knock on joe woods too why isn't that fixed by week 10 and i asked walker that yesterday and he said yeah a thousand percent it should be fixed by week 10 so i'm not removing responsibility from joe woods i'm not and i thought that josh mcdaniels the patriots offensive coordinator just owned Woods on Sunday. Everything he called seemed to work. Joe Woods did not have an answer. They ran screens. They ran up the middle. They ran reverses. They threw the ball. It it didn't matter. It worked. Now, I will say I went back and watched all those third downs, right? The Browns, Patriots were six for six to start the game on third down, and that's how the game got won. And there were third and eights and third and 13s. And Joe Woods tried different things. It's not like he just sat there and said, hey, I'm going to – you know, play the same defense. He went four-man rush, he went five-man rush, played zone, he played man, he dropped Miles Garrett in coverage one time to confuse Jones, and none of it worked. Um, so that, so that's, that's on Woods for getting out-schemed and out-coached by Josh McDaniels. Um, and the lack of adjustments certainly seemed to show up because they did not get better as the game wore on. So I, I'm not taking any blame away from Joe Woods just like I'm not going to take any blame away from Kevin Stefanski for getting out coached by Bill Belichick, right? His offense versus Belichick's defense was as big a mismatch as McDaniels versus Woods, but I don't think it's just about Joe Woods. My point is I think it's bigger than Joe Woods and I mean, that's probably scary if you're looking at it, you know, as Andrew Barry or as a fan.
1: What would you kind of put a percentage on for the blame game? Yeah. Where would the, what would the percentage be on coaching? Cause that was definitely something I wanted to uh, hit with you right off the top. And I feel like it, it maybe took us even too long to get to it. That's how big of a deal it was. I'm yeah.
0: You're breaking up. You were little-
1: just out coached big time.
0: Yeah. You broke up a little, show, but I got it. The percentage, the blame game percentage, gosh. Um, I don't want to cop out and go 50-50. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go 60-40. I blame Joe Woods. Um, execution needs to be better, right? If the players play great, they can bail out a coach. Um, you know, if one guy squeezes through a block and makes a tackle on a, you know, third-13 screen, you hold him to a field goal. Maybe you have momentum's different than seven to seven. Um, but, but I, but I, I can't get around the outsteaming and McDaniel's doing whatever he wanted, and no answer for a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones who played well and is composed and stands in the pocket. But it's your job as a defensive coordinator, right? To, to, to make a rookie quarterback uncomfortable. Find a way to do it. And I'm not one of these guys that says, hey, you got to bring pressure all the time because I think you're better off trusting your front four, dropping in coverage. I think that's overall the best way to play defense. Um, but when you weren't getting home with your front four, and they weren't, uh, then maybe you got to mix it up. And Maybe you got to bring the house. And if you give up a long touchdown, you give up a long touchdown. And it, it didn't seem like Woods was willing to do that. And I'm sure there are reasons for it, right? I mean, it was more football than I do, but There had to be changes and there weren't changes made. And, and that's what Miles Garrett's talking about. So yeah, I would pin more, more of it on Joe Woods. Now, you know, I'm not in the fire Joe Woods camp. First of all, I don't think it's going to happen during the season. I think that would be a panic move by Kevin Stefanski, but I have no, I have no argument at all that the, that the pressure on Joe Woods is certainly heating up and 45-7 in New England, which was the worst example of the year,
1: um, only stokes those fires. So, Scott, two things off of that. Isn't the Browns' defense, aren't they at their best when they don't have to blitz as much, when they get that pressure so they can have, you know, more more defensive backs back and the linebackers? I mean, isn't that – I feel like that seems to be a common theme uh that's when they're at their best. Or am I am I not feeling that right?
0: No, you're you're hundred percent right. You're hundred percent right. And that's why you rely on Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney and Tech McKinley, who they missed last week, didn't play at all. He's you know was inactive with that groin injury. Um that's why you need those guys to dominate. And that's how the best defenses are across the league. So you get pressure with the front four, you drop seven, it makes life tough on the quarterback, but you weren't getting that pass rush and Part of it was the Patriots offensive line did an excellent job. Part of it was a play calling, got the ball out of Mac Jones' hands in a hurry. I mean, I, 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 I'm looking forward to asking Miles, this, Miles Garrett this on Friday. They, I've never seen him chop block as much as he was, a cut block as much as he was against the Patriots. I mean, their left tackle just dove at his legs multiple times. And first of all, that's got to be extremely annoying if you're a pass rusher, right? There's risk of injury. You got it. Now you're kind of off balance. You can't just go with the quarterback because you're afraid a guy's going to dive at your legs. Um, and then the ball's going to come out quick. You don't cut block if the play is going to take a long time because the defensive end, the offensive lineman's laying on the ground. So, but they did that because they knew they would get the ball out of Mac Jones's hands. Now the counter is then you got to take away those quick completions and give your guys time to get home. And there just wasn't that marriage of coverage and pass rush that had been working well when the Brown, when the defense plays well. And you go back to the third downs, you know, conversions, Greg Newsom gives up a play, Troy Hill gives up a play, and all of a sudden things kind of snowball on you. But, yeah, I think Joe Woods is right when he says we're going to try to get home with four. I think that's the right philosophy, especially when the overall team philosophy is conservative, right? You're going to run the ball. You're going to take up time of possession. You're going to win the time of possession. You're going to go on long drives. You can't, if you if that's your philosophy on offense on defense, you can't be giving up ADR touchdowns, right? You got to make the other team earn it. And that's just the way the Browns want to play. So I understand that, but if you can't get off the field on third down, then
1: none of it matters. It's frustrating to see the the Patriots, you know, the Browns run all over them on the first drive and then they make the adjustments. They figure it out. They're able to stop the Browns. And, you know, they have only the greatest coach ever, right? But, you know, still, I mean, that, that's what's frustrating for fans to watch.
0: Well, there's no doubt. And I got two points about that. Number one is, yes, Bill Belichick made the adjustment. Whatever it was, maybe he thought the Browns were going to come out and throw because Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt weren't in the game. So he dropped guys in coverage. The Browns ran it early with Dearness Johnson. Four carries, 58 yards. And then Belichick said, okay, well, let's take away the run and see if Baker Mayfield can beat us. And then that didn't happen, right? So he did make an adjustment. Kevin Stefanski said, hey, we tried to go back to those same runs that we had success with early, and they did not work. Um, So, yeah, so that's Belichick winning that matchup. And then the other part of it to me is all week, whether it was Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Joe Woods, Baker Mayfield, whoever you talked to, said, hey, we know this is going to be a physical game. The Patriots are a physical team. They have big bodies up front, all that. And yet, I I thought the Browns were out tough by the Patriots on both sides of the ball. And and that's also a discouraging, disturbing thing to see out of your football team, is if you preach all week, we have to match their toughness, and you don't do it. And that shows up in the run game. And the Patriots ran for 184 against the Browns team that had been averaging, I think, 84 or 88 yards is a run defense, right? They were third in the league, and the Patriots just had their way. That's when you start to question, okay, where's the mindset of this team, right? If, if you don't bring the intensity in a game like this, and again, you know, when you say bring the intensity, bring the effort, you know, that's a judgment call, but I saw way too many missed tackles. I saw guys getting pushed down the field on blocks, and when you see that happen, to me, that screams... Uh, well, I don't, know, you know, lack of effort. I don't like to say that, but maybe lack of intensity, lack of commitment, lack of something um, that I, I thought we saw definitely on defense, but overall from a team that just didn't match the physicality that was going to be required and the coaches told them it was going to be required to beat this Patriots
1: team. All right, let's go to the offense and talk about I heard someone on the radio yesterday, bring this up. I can't remember who it was, but, but they were questioning whether Stefanski should still call the plays. Is, is that something that the beat writers are, are you guys talking about that in the inner circles? Is that something that's been brought up? Is, is that something that should be considered here?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It, it has been brought up. Um I mean, it was brought up earlier in the season too, and I dismissed it. Um I got a letter today from somebody that heard me on the radio asking me the same thing, saying I was wrong because I got asked it on 92.3 yesterday and said, I don't think that's the problem. And this listener disagrees with me. And he says, yeah, it is the problem. Um, I I don't think that Kevin Stefanski's attentions are divided where he can't manage the game, right? He doesn't know when to call timeouts. He doesn't know when to challenge, I I, I don't think that's, an issue just because he's calling the plays. Now I understand the point and maybe he would be able to focus more on the big picture. If he didn't have the minutia of calling every offensive snap. Right. I, I understand that argument. I just don't think, I, I just don't think that's the issue. And there's plenty of coaches in this league who do both and are good at doing both. And I think Kevin Stefanski Sik- can, and I thought he proved that last year. Um, so, you know, if, if he decided to give it to Alex Van Pelt, that's fine. But again, but that feels a little bit panicky to me. I don't think that's why he got out coached by Bill Belichick. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think that's necessary,
1: but I do understand the discussion around that talking point. Yeah, my thing to that was I definitely was listening to the argument and it made me think a little bit. But then I also think, man, there's been some games where now I know they haven't put up a ton of points in a lot of games, but we've seen them put up a lot of points and you know we're not complaining about this when the running game and chubb and hunt are going wild and everything's moving on all cylinders
0: no i think that's a great point and now the offense hasn't been what it needs to be right i think it's 17 points or fewer in five of the last seven games which is a bad trend but i guess there's two are there's two points to the should he give a play calling argument one is is it affecting his job his role as a head coach the other is is he doing a bad job as a play call and I'm not ready to go there I don't think the play calls are what's keeping this offense from rolling um, I think it's more about you know there's a little bit of injury factor right um, maybe more than a little you're missing Chubb you're missing Hunt Jarvis Landry isn't the same and a lot of it's about and right tackle Blake Hans is trying his hardest but He's not Jack Conklin and he's giving up way too many, way too much pressure and getting Baker hit too often. Um, and then the other part of it's Baker Mayfield, right? You, you need your quarterback to play well for your play calls to work. So um, I, I think Stefanski's fine as a play caller. I'm not sure what reason to think that Alex Van Putt would be better as a play caller. They'd be calling the same plays, right? I mean, they're calling from the picking from the same menu of plays. Um, so, so that's why, and you're right. I mean, they just scored 41 the week before. So we've seen what this offense can do. We've seen Stefanski call good plays. So, I, so I'm not ready to make either of those moves.
1: All right. It's that time on the show. And Scott, very excited here that we now have a sponsored element. It's <laughs> time to get to Baker Mayfield brought to you by Petrack Pebbles. And for those <laughs> of you that don't know, that's Scott's attempt at having his own breakfast cereal like Nick Chubb. But anyway, it's time to get to Baker Mayfield. And is it the injuries or is it just a struggling quarterback?
0: Well, I mean, that's the $40 million question, right, Chud? And I feel like I don't want to just dismiss the injuries because they're obviously a factor. And they've been a factor since week two. Having said that, when he plays like he did against Cincinnati dealing with most of the same things, right. The shoulder injury was the same in Cincinnati as it was in New England. Um, now the foot, he, you know, he hurt his foot in Cincinnati. Um, you know, so that had an, you know, you could, that had more of an effect against the Patriots and it did against the Bengals. But I, I, I don't want to dismiss it because I do think he's dealing with a lot of stuff. And as a quarterback, you already have enough stuff on your plate you don't need other things to worry about, other things to think about, other things to keep you from practicing on last Wednesday where he was limited and I didn't even see him throw the ball. So that is a factor. But just like I don't want to dismiss it, I don't want to, play, I don't want to give Baker an excuse by saying it's all about the injuries because the injuries don't explain why he makes a bad decision trying to throw that ball to David Njoku on that interception that almost turns into a pick six. The injuries don't explain why when Bill Belichick took away his first read, he couldn't get to the second and third reads and make a completion and instead looked confused um, about where to go with the ball. And I know that's what Belichick's trying to do is confuse the quarterback, but you need your quarterback to overcome that. And I, I didn't see he obviously did not overcome that he was 11 for 21 for 73 yards so. I think it's a combination shot. And I think that makes it really frustrating and difficult for Andrew Barry and Paul Podesta and Kevin Stefanski. When you're trying to evaluate Baker Mayfield is the long-term answer or not is how much are the injuries playing into this? How much do we have to take that into account when we see that he's been unable to build on what was such a promising second half to last season, right? I mean, that was, that was where the excitement came from is he played at a really high level. For the second half of last season, you figure coming back in year two with Stefanski. Um, You know, the offensive line is coming back. Everybody's coming back, right? It's the same offense. Why doesn't he make everyone – or it was expected that he would make that jump. And the fact that he hasn't is troublesome. And it's – we'll talk about foundational losses and you start to question the foundation of things. That's what you start to question, and it's a huge piece, is whether or not Baker is – the guy and whether or not he can make that jump. So, I, so I, I'm not getting a great answer, Chad, because I feel both ways. I feel like, yeah, we can't discount the injuries, but it's more than that, which has me doubting Baker Mayfield long-term.
1: Which is exactly why they haven't paid him. Yeah. I mean, it goes back. We we've, we've had this kind, co- Matt, when did we start doing these in the wintertime, spring, yeah. whatever. I mean, we, we, how much have we talked about this, but what we're watching unfold in front of our eyes is the, the uh, issue that they have. And I guess they probably felt that way is just not knowing for sure, whether they had their guy. And it's, it's frustrating because again, broken record here, he's better than anything we've had, but the debate is, can he take you to that next level? And boy, Scott, if he can't, then what do they do?
0: Well, yeah, right. That's, that's, that's another troubling layer of this, Chud. Is where do you go from here? Right. And you have to start thinking about other options. I'm not Baker's signed, you know, they picked up his fifth year option. He's signed through next year. Um, but does that mean you can't go explore a veteran quarterback that becomes available? No, I, I don't know. Does it mean you can't go look in the draft for a quarterback? I don't know, right? I mean, these are the kind of big questions that I don't think will get answered right now. And I think the organization will, you know, will really look into it after the season. But those are the kind of things that they have to discuss, assuming things stay the same, right? Now, if Baker gets on a roll and takes his team back to the playoffs, it'd be tough to move on from a quarterback that plays well in the second half of the season, takes you to the playoffs two straight years. It'd be tough to make that argument. But you know, they're outside the playoffs right now. He's not playing well. He's coming off arguably his worst game with the Browns. At least it's his career low 73 passing yards. Um, I'm sure people inside the organization are having those preliminary discussions of, okay, let's find some plan B's and C's and D's just in case Baker's not the guy. And, you know, you talk about not having the long-term extension by now, and I thought it would have been done, Chad. I thought it was going to get done in the preseason. I really felt like the Browns had decided he was their guy. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Maybe part of it was that they weren't ready to pay him. Maybe part of it was they wanted to pay other guys first because his his contract would be the biggest contract. Um, but let's say, I, I thought they were 90% convinced that he was their guy going into the season. I mean, where where's that percentage now? I mean... It can't be higher, it can't be much higher than 50% if it's that, right? And that's a big turnaround from thinking on September 12th, and even after the Chiefs game, they probably thought he's still the guy, that hey, we know who our quarterback is going to be for the next five years to on November 16th, saying, we're 50-50, whether or not we know who our quarterback is gonna who our is gonna be, whether it's week one, 2022, or week one, 2023. Right? I mean, that's a big change for the organization to have to deal with. And (laughs) when we talk about this season going sideways, I think it starts there. Don't you?
1: Oh, absolutely. And the, the frustrating part about it is whether or not they know, because I, I know that sometimes I, I don't know. I mean, there there are days where I sit there and I think he is just not the guy, but then he has the games that you talked about, like after Kansas city, where you're thinking, all right, this, this, this is going to work. But I guess what I do know is I feel like we've been around long enough to know that the fact that they haven't given them that extension and they know that they know they have them locked in for, you know, this certain period of time that, uh, you know, I, I, I guess here's my point. They still have time. I just think, you know, what I don't want to do, what I don't want to do, Scott is hit the panic button. And I think that's where I'm trying to give the perspective of the, let's just, I, we, we expected too much. That's the problem here is that we assumed, and I don't mean me and you necessarily, I mean the entire city. We just assumed that they were going to be, you know, seven and three or eight and right. two at this point. And, and, and that's, that's the problem. It goes back to the point of you can start really breaking it down. You know, their schedule wasn't that hard last year. Uh, that. <laughs> And again, I think last year was a weird year. And, and I know I never hear this. I, I, I just think this. They didn't play in front of uh, crowds. It was just a different year. It was just you, you need to see more examples of things before you can anoint anything. And we, it, we've seen it with basketball teams. You see it with uh, NFL teams. And I just think if we can sit back and say, hold on, we still have talent here. We like our head coach. Let's not panic. Let's let it play out. Yeah. There's there's 10 games in. Clearly they're not where we expected them or wanted them to be, but you know there's one thing to think about, Scott. The AFC North is still wide open.
0: Yeah, yeah you bring up a ton of good points there, Chad. Number 1, it kind of goes back to that stat that you mentioned earlier about teams that make the playoffs after a long drought. There's there is a natural regression and it's it, it just happens. It's it's tough to continue your ascent without, without setbacks, right. Without a step back. And I think we've seen that throughout the league. You know, I think we've just seen it historically throughout the league, a team will have a kind of a breakthrough year and then there's a step back. And then they take two steps forward the next year, right. The, the overall trajectory is still positive, but there's room for um, a regression and maybe that's what we'll just, maybe that's what we're seeing. And maybe at the end of the year, Browns finished nine and eight. And you can say, Hey, on a big scale, right. They still have the coach. They still have talent. It's another winning season. Maybe this is a launching point for a Super Bowl in 2022, right? Like I can envision that big picture. Now it's, it's hard to see in the middle of a season and coming off 45 to seven, but, (laughs) but, but I think you're right about that. I, I think, I think there's something to be said for that. Now, as far as AFC North, that looks like the easiest path to the playoffs is winning the AFC North. Now, yeah. having said that, the Browns have never won the AFC North since it was founded in 2002. So it's obviously <laughs> not easy to do that. But when you look at what's going to be required to get to the playoffs, you know, they're only a game and a half behind the Ravens in the division, right? And they faced the Ravens twice. So if they win their last four division games, Ravens twice, Baltimore, Cincinnati, right? That gets them to nine wins. Let's assume they beat the Lions on Sunday. That's 10 wins. And if you're 10 wins and you're five and one in the division and you handed Baltimore two more losses, so they, they have at least five, like it feels like that's a way you can, you can get to the playoffs is if you just clean up inside the division. Now, that's easier said than done, but then you're not worrying about tiebreakers with the Patriots and the Chargers and Chiefs all teams that you've already lost to this year. So I would agree that when we think about, okay, what's what's the path to the playoffs, it means winning a lot of the games inside the AFC North and not necessarily worrying about what the other five wildcard teams, you know, Indianapolis and the Raiders, not worrying about what they're doing, but just worrying about what the teams in your division are doing because you're going to see them all before the season's over.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the schedule and analyzing it. And basically, you know, they're going to have to win one or two games that you might not think they're going to win to get to uh, 10. And if you really want to try to get to 11, I mean, so they're going to have to go five and two, right? Just to get to 10 and seven. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not
0: impossible, but when you're five and five, it doesn't feel like,
1: right. Well, when you have the Packers in Green Bay Uh and you have the Ravens twice, and you still have to play the Steelers. I mean, yeah, that makes it look not so uh, appealing, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: I mean, there's there's no doubt. I mean, there, there's no doubt. And you never know what's gonna play how every, anything's gonna play out. But I mean, winning in Green Bay in Christmas just seems like a loss. So <laughs> that all that means you either got to win every other game or lose one and hope you lose the right one in hope that you can win a tie, play your know, uh, wild card tiebreaker. Or Baltimore falters enough that 10 and seven is good enough to win the division. If, like I said, you go five and one in the division, right. Or four and two, whatever it's going to take. So yeah, I mean, they put themselves in a tough spot and I just keep coming back to if they had hung on to beat the chiefs or hung on to beat the chargers or not laid an egg against the Steelers. It's a different, it feels different. It's a different conversation the loss in New England doesn't feel so crushing because you have some room to play, right? You have some margin for error there. Um, You're six and four, or if you'd won two of those, you're seven and three. And all of a sudden you're in the playoffs and you might even be being leading the division. And I know every team can say that, well, if we would have won this game, but the Browns are in position to win those games, right? They were leading in the fourth quarter in all those games. And the fact that they couldn't finish them off you know, the worry is that it's going to come back to haunt them, right? That you're at the end of the season you go, well,
1: that's why that's what kept the Browns out of the playoffs. Well, in the way the NFL's gone, maybe they win that game in Green Bay on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's been a crazy year, especially in the AFC. So, and, and you look at last night, 49ers beat the Rams, which brings me to my next point. You can't blame Odell Beckham Jr. on this one, can you?
0: Oh my gosh. No, and, and it's <laughs> It's interesting, right? I, it's probably best for the LeBron's not to have Odell. He did not want to be here. We are, you know, we've been through this. But, just a quick point, when you look at guys not getting open against the Patriots in the receiving core as a total, having five catches for 42 yards, that's the kind of game you go, man, I wonder if Odell could have made a difference, right? Does he change how the defense is, you know, would Bill Belichick have had to play differently with the threat of Odell, right? Does that open things up for other guys. Um, and I don't think Odell changes the outcome, but I think he does change. I just think he changes things in the coach, The Browns coaches would have told you that now that doesn't mean you should have put up with this garbage. And that doesn't mean you had, they had any other choice but to move on from him. I think it's just a reality that will show up from time to time is man. The Browns could use a guy like Odell, right? Now he goes to LA last night and Looks frustrated standing on the sideline. Obviously, he only practiced once. You can't put him out there a bunch. The red zone wasn't going to be an option if you watch the Manning cast. They kept saying that is It's just too hard to get the timing inside the red zone. Um, you know, they threw it to him on the first play, caught that hook. Uh, you know, Yeah, hook, and then he caught a comeback later. Um, Stafford tried to force one to him early on that pick, which didn't make any sense. I mean, Odell awesome. stop, Odell stopped, but I don't know what Stafford was looking at. There's two... 49ers just standing back there um so it'll be interesting to see chud if he has the impact that people think he can have and without robert robert woods obviously being available for the rams he's going to get a chance i don't know if it'll be next week but at some point odell's going to be on the field a bunch and it'll be interesting to see if he can get that chemistry with stafford and if he ever gets comfortable if he ever settles in or does that frustration build if the Rams struggle like they did last night and they've struggled for a couple games in a row now. Um, If he doesn't get the catches that he wants, right? All the things that we talked about here. um, It's a, it's a shorter window. He only has to be happy for seven or eight, nine weeks. Right. And then you're in the playoffs Um, and he loves LA. So I, I think the chances of it working out are better in LA and with
1: the Rams, but I don't think it's a given at all. Looking forward. Are you a little nervous about the Nick Chubb situation being that, I mean, he has symptoms, right? If if he was asymptomatic, you might feel better about the situation. But I mean, I, I, when I started thinking about it, I thought about miles Garrett last year and how it affected him. Am am I out of bounds there? Is there concern
0: at all? Yeah, I think there is concern. I mean, he's not back yet. Um, you know, my first thought was, well, look, Aaron Rodgers only missed one game and he's not vaccinated. So therefore, Nick Chubb should be back. But if you're not feeling well, then you can't come back and play. And, you know, Dearness Johnson said he talked to Chubb on Saturday and he's feeling pretty good or, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Miles Garrett missed two games. Now, Chubb is vaccinated. You hope that that helps minimize the symptoms and he's able to come back this week, but it's not guaranteed like maybe originally I had thought, right? So for sure he'll be back at least by the Lions game. Um, I would still think there's a good chance, but we need to see how it plays out. We need to see how he feels. We need to see the symptoms um, before he can play again. So, yeah, I think there is a little bit of nervousness there. And, you know, De'Aurys Johnson played fine, right? And he ran for 99 yards, caught, I think he caught, whatever, seven balls for 58 yards. So he had a big impact, but the Browns aren't the same without Nick Chubb he just no. changes things it's so obvious you know he's the best player on offense um,
1: well I'm gonna, I'm gonna you? interrupt
0: you
1: I'm gonna interrupt you because that that's exactly I, I mean you think Belichick wasn't licking his chops no Kareem Hunt no Nick Chubb he knew I mean it's like all right Baker you got to come and beat me yeah. and and clearly that did not happen
0: no, you're right, and, that's, and he's not the first coach to say that, right? There's Arizona said, okay, Baker, we're going to put a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage, beat us, and he couldn't. And that's going to continue to be a theme, and until he shows that he can consistently do it, um, people are going to question Baker because that's the second prong to the offense. You need to run it, right? This offense is built on running the ball, but you can't just run it in this league. It's 2021. you got to throw it. You got to throw it when teams say, we're not going to let the run game beat us. And we've seen Baker do that, right? I mean, there's been times where he's done that, just not enough. And, and it gets harder to do that, or it gets – the pressure gets put more on him when you're without Chubb and Hunt. Because then you can't just say, yeah, we're going to turn around and hand it to him regardless, right? I, th- I think the, even if the defense says we're going to take away the run game, with Chubb and Hunt, Stefanski says, yeah, go ahead and try or we'll, you know, we'll throw it to them in the flash or we'll get Kareem Hunt the ball, you know, we'll pass, we'll throw it to Kareem Hunt. Um, but without those two guys, I don't care how well Dearness Johnson says, plays. Yeah, he, he's, he's just not scary. He's not the same in, in defenses. Mm-hmm. will adjust accordingly.
1: Boy, I'm, I, and we've talked about this before, but it, it's just more evident now that that this this guy is the most important player on your team. I mean, listen, I know Miles Garrett's right there, but I mean, they, they they also gave up you know 42 points with with Miles Garrett on the field. I mean, it. I'm just starting to think, man, Nick Chubb is just the most important piece to this team.
0: That's an interesting argument to have. I, you know, I mean, I think the defense really would suffer without Miles. I mean. I know, you know, know. so, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's apples and oranges, but um, there's no doubt how important Chubb is. There's no doubt. Now I don't, I'm not going to say they beat New England with Nick Chubb and maybe Nick Chubb doesn't have the same success because Belichick takes him away, but it does change everything about how you call a game and how a defense approaches, approaches you. And it would, it it should, even if the Patriots said, Hey, we're going to make Baker Mayfield beat us. Um, if they're devoting one extra body to stopping Nick Chubb, that should free things up for Baker Mayfield. And it felt like things weren't free for him because the Patriots didn't have to devote as many defenders to stopping Dearness Johnson is a word for Nick Chubb.
1: All right. We've talked about Baker and Chubb with the injuries. Uh, Give us the injury update right now before we head on to the Lions.
0: Yeah. I mean, Kareem Hunt is, you know, this is, he's missed four games. This is kind of the window where you thought he might return. Um, Stefanski said, we'll know more as the week goes on. I don't feel like my gut My gut is he's not going to play this week. Maybe you get him back for that big Sunday night game against Baltimore. Um, Anthony Schwartz and A.J. Green in concussion protocol both get hit in the head on kickoffs, which re- reminds everybody the violence of kickoffs, right? That's why That's why they changed the rules to try to minimize that. But when you're returning kicks and covering kicks like the Browns like to do, um, there's a greater greater chance of concussions. I mean, it's just that simple. We saw two of them uh, on back-to-back kickoffs actually against the Patriots. And then the other one is Troy Hill had that scary looking neck injury does not seem to be that serious. It's a neck sprain. Um, Haven't gotten word if he's going to miss a whole bunch of time or not, but I think there's a chance he doesn't have to, which would be, I mean, first of all, it'd be a huge relief when you have to see a guy get wheeled off the field, right? The fact that he might play again soon is wonderful news. And he's a big part of this defense. He didn't play particularly well against the Patriots. um, Just gave up some one-on-one matchups that are going to happen, but he's been really good. And we've seen that and he's not afraid to stick his nose in and make a tackle in the run game. So if they were able to get him back, whether it's this week or coming up, um, that would be good because I'm not sure exactly what they would do at nickel. Do they slide Greg Newsome in there and try to play greedy Williams on the outside? Do they go M J Stewart at nickel? They'd have some decisions to make if Troy Hill were to miss significant time.
1: All right. You ready to get onto the lions? Sure. I mean, how much time do you really want to spend on it? They're Oh, 0-8 and one. I mean, do, do, do we need to break this? I mean, I guess, Cliff notes. What, what's (laughs) give us the breakdown on uh, the Detroit lions.
0: Yeah. I've not done a ton of studying on them. I just started watching the Steelers game. Um, Dan Campbell, rookie coach full of fire. Um, I think guys play hard for him. They've been in a bunch of games, right? They should have beaten the Ravens. Justin Tucker makes the whatever, 66 yard field goal. Um, They've lost some heartbreaking games. So, That's true, right? So my my, my biggest takeaway is the Browns cannot go into this game thinking we're going to show up and beat the Lions. And you should only have to look back at the tie in Pittsburgh, right? I know Big Ben didn't play, but still, they tie a good Pittsburgh team or a pretty good Pittsburgh team. They could have beaten the Ravens. They could have beaten other teams. So can't take them lightly. Jared Goff is a quarterback, and I know people pick on Jared Goff. He's still a number one overall pick. He's still a pretty accurate quarterback, right? He doesn't have the biggest arm, um, which I think is why the Rams got rid of him. It's Matthew Stafford can make more throws than Jared Goff does and can. But I like how he threw it coming out of college. I think he's an accurate guy. I think he's a smart guy. So you can't just say, oh, the Browns are going to come in and roll over the Lions because it's not guaranteed. So those would be my biggest thoughts um, heading into this game, which is – are we talk about must win in the past, Chud, when they're four and four and whatever, five and five lines at home. It doesn't get any more must win than that.
1: I'm trying to look at uh, real quick here. Do you have it in front of you? I mean, golf has only thrown like one touchdown or something in like the last few weeks. I, I mean, his stats are definitely he's he's not having stat wise a, a, a fantastic year. No,
0: he's not. He's a flawed quarterback. I'm just saying, you know, he is a number one overall pick. They're still playing him. I know there's been talk about, you know, should he be benched or not. So, I'm not saying he's, uh, you know, that he's the next coming. I'm just saying um, you got to pay attention to him. You know, like I'm looking at his stats already. He started the year with three touchdowns and two touchdowns, and he's only thrown three since. So, he's got one over his last (laughs) five games. That's right. Um, I'm looking at it. Yeah, he threw four picks, four picks and one touchdown over the last five games. Um, you know, so I mean, they got other issues. They don't have a whole lot of talent around him, right? He's completing 66%, eight touchdowns, six picks. You know, I mean, those are average numbers. Um, let me see what his
1: rating is. Their, their running back is good. Swift.
0: Yeah. They got an 80, he's got an 84.0 rating, which is, you know, probably 20 something in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just not super talented, right? And they're in a rebuild and they're seeing if they can salvage golf right they Stafford wanted out they were able mm-hmm. to a trade they were able to get pieces for him and now it's okay can we see if golf's the guy and golf probably isn't the guy um you know but you know they're just they're not a great team the Browns should beat them the Browns are better but you just can't take them for granted is I guess my bottom line
1: yeah a couple uh couple close games couple blowouts so yeah they're you know they I, I will say this, though, I, you know, if you're Big Ben, you know, that that definitely gives him a little more cred because, you know, people were down on him, right, that he was oh, yeah. over the hill. So that, you know, that gives a little more case for him. Obviously, I don't think they tie if he plays that game. Oh, uh, yeah,
0: I completely agree with that. He's played better than he did, certainly, at the end of last season. Um, the Steelers have played better than people thought they would or a lot of people thought they would. You know, now they're not great, but, I mean – you know, if you're a Browns fan, you can't be throwing stones. Your team's five and five, right? You're looking up at everybody else in your division. And, you know, I mean, has Ben played better than Baker this year? I mean, that's probably – you could probably say that, right? So,
1: yeah, you but you question a lot of stuff about where the Browns are. Well, but five and five is much different than 0, 08 and one. So no, I'm talking uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm not talking – Oh, P- oh yeah, I yeah, got gotcha. yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 right. Oh, no, for sure. I mean – I, I the Steelers might sweep the Browns this year, and and that's something where when you play the schedule game at the beginning of the year, most people figured, ah, we'll beat the Steelers, we beat them in the playoffs. There, you know, we've talked about that before. So, uh, no, that's the crazy thing about this division. I mean, you could honestly make an argument for, for and against all four teams winning the division with Baltimore getting, you know, the most strength towards winning it I would say right I mean they're the yeah. you would think they're the but I mean listen Cincinnati has shown that they could uh, you know they've shown both I mean, the Bengals are the same as the Browns they've shown that they can hang they, <laughs> they show that they can be taken down pretty easily so, yeah
0: no you're right and, and I don't know if it was on if it was last week we talked about this chart or you know I did you know, do a bunch of these you know radio shows people call me and somebody asked me about who I thought was the favorite to win the division a week ago and the Browns are coming off that win over the Bengals. And it might even have been after the – it might have been Friday. So the Ravens had already lost to Miami. So I'd seen how vulnerable they could be. And I said, I would take the Browns. And it looks silly, right, coming off 45-7. to seven, And now the Browns are one and a game and a half back of the Ravens again. But, like, I guess that just shows how volatile this division can be. And I do think every team has major flaws. And it's going to come down to who plays best over the last eight weeks of the season, right? The Browns have seven games, there's eight weeks left. Who plays the best over the final eight weeks?
1: Yeah. Well, and you're going to have that bye. So let's, you know, let's see if the coaches can, uh, you know, that's going to be very important for this coaching staff to use that bye to, uh, you know, sandwich it between those Raven games for the end of the year. All right. So anything else before we get to predictions? No, let's go. I think it's right, my turn, uh, right? Yeah, but, I mean, well, we got to give the total record uh, first. Go
0: ahead. Go ahead.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, Sorry, I had to. Uh, so, you had the Browns last week. Now, I almost texted you. I, I'm surprised you didn't make a change after the Chubb injury.
0: Yeah. Uh, obviously, I should have. Um, I, I just – I didn't think New England was as good as they are. I, I guess that's what it boils down to. I thought New England had New England didn't have their top running back either, Damian Ayers. I know. Um, I, I thought the Browns were just overall more talented, and I didn't think the coaching would be that lopsided. And the coaching advantage was that lopsided. Um, so that's so that's why I picked the Browns. I thought, yeah, they're more talented. I, you know, Stephans can match up with Belichick, um, and you know, Matt Jones played great. Belichick had a great game plan. The Browns had no answers. And New England's <laughs> better than I thought they were. So all that adds up to me being way the hell wrong.
1: Well, I did pick the Patriots, but I think I was at like 2320 much closer. It's been fun on Sundays. Uh, You know, I, I, my whole career, basically I worked on Sundays. Right. But the last uh, couple of years I've, I've had them off and uh, you know, I've been trying to get my daughter, my daughters into the Browns some, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't help (laughs) when they, they lose like that. Right. (laughs) <laughs> but they get into it. You know, they're all into my one daughter's into the fantasy football. And we, you know, we have these helmets and they're kind of into it and everything. And, uh, and my daughter was like, uh, did, did you pick the Browns or Patriots? And I I went the Patriots and she's like, did you think it would be like this? And I was like, no, I did not think it would be like this. I mean, who, no one could have predicted that Scott 42. Point, no. I mean, that, that, so that, Regardless, bottom line is uh, you're 5-5 five and five now. Uh, seven and three. I'm 7-3. So... I'm as mediocre as the team I cover. <laughs> hey, you are what you cover. I used to be your bumper sticker. Yeah. Um, all right, you got first dibs this week. All
0: right. I-, I think the Browns win. I think they bounce back to some degree, but I don't think it's as convincing as maybe it should be. Uh, yeah, I think coming off that New England – loss and with questions about Baker's health and Baker's performance and not knowing for sure if Nick Chubb's going to play and Jarvis is still dealing with the knee, all those issues. Um, I'm going to pick the Browns 24 to 17. Um, Yeah, it could turn into a blowout, but I just don't have the confidence in this team right now to say they're going to dominate anybody. Uh, Even though I know two weeks ago they did, um, but Big picture, they haven't really dominated many teams this year. So I'll go 24 17 in a win that gets them above 500, but does not restore a ton of confidence from the fan base.
1: Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, man, you're going to laugh when you hear my score very close to what you have. Uh, You're coming in at 24 17. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Listen, they cannot lose to the Lions. I will not pick the Lions. If the Lions win this game, the, the season is an absolute embarrassment because now you're five and six. You lost to a team that was oh eight and one you, and you would lose coming off of a loss like you just did to New England. They have to have some pride. They have to find a way to get this done. I don't care who is playing, who is injured. You're in your home building. They're a 10-point favorite. This would be one of the worst losses i I had a friend text me and say that they thought that new england loss was one of the most embarrassing if not most embarrassing losses in browns history and i was like well i mean that you know we got to remember we've had a lot of embarrassing losses but his point was for the expectations of what we have in this team that that was his point right yeah uh it was pretty embarrassing no way to the browns can they lose this game i will go browns 27 lions 16
0: Okay. So you got the, you got a close cover. I did not have
1: him covering. Um, Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right, Chud,
0: for the score. And who knows, you know, defensively, if they get a couple of takeaways and they get a touchdown that could change things. And that's what was missing against new England that they had in Cincinnati. Um, You know, they went back to not having any takeaways and that's huge, obviously, especially for this defense. It needs to create some momentum for itself, but yeah, I mean, if they lost, if they lost to the Lions, we'd be writing the obituary for the season, and, and and things would be, things would get a lot worse. The questions would get a lot harder for everybody in Berea. So, um,
1: yeah, you would you know, want to take the week off and go golfing.
0: Exactly. Before. Yeah. So you know, for everybody's sake, um, I'm sure Browns fans hope that that does not happen, and I don't think it will. I think they'll be able to rally to come back and uh, to beat the Lions. And you agree with me. So, Chud, thank you for this nice discussion on a terrible loss and hopefully we'll have something more positive to talk about next week. And Either way, we'll be previewing a big Sunday night game in Baltimore, right? So let's assume the Browns win all of a sudden the season, you know, if you beat Baltimore, we looked at the season differently and it's going to be huge Sunday night game. I'll be in Baltimore for that one. So, yeah, so we can spend a lot of time next week, you know, hopefully we review this Browns win and then talk about, just how the matchups in Baltimore and just how important that game will be. So thanks a lot, Dave. Thanks everybody for listening. And again, you can always find all my work at brownzone.com sponsored by Fligners. And this has been the latest episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Thank you very much.